All right, let's pray together as we look into his word, Luke 10, 38 through 42. Lord God, thank you for this time. Thank you that we could open up your word, and Lord, thank you for making it so practical to us. Lord, we identify with certain biblical characters, and Lord, you have something to teach us this morning. May we have ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this passage read for us this morning is filled with awesome truths, and they're very practical truths, truths that we can embrace and seek to live by. Well, the scene is Bethany. Bethany is about one and a half miles from Jerusalem. The home belongs to Martha, sister to Mary, and also of Jesus' beloved friend Lazarus. Well, what becomes immediately evident is Martha's generous heart. Verse 38 says, Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Opening up your home to Jesus also meant quite a crowd. There were the 12 disciples and also other followers, listeners, and seekers. All Martha could see was the tremendous task that lay before her. It wasn't like she was able to call out for Chinese food or pizza. (laughs) Perhaps animals would need to be slaughtered and prepared, dough mixed, kneaded, and baked, vegetables and fruit cut up, places set, wine poured, a lot of work. No wonder we read what comes next in verses 39 through 40. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks so that she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. Martha may have had a generous heart, but she also had high expectations of others. She was a hospitable host in that she welcomed Jesus and company into her home. But her etiquette stops there. First of all, you don't embarrass your sister like she did in front of everyone. Secondly, you never ask an invited guest to preside over a family quarrel. And thirdly, you don't tell your guests what to do, and as Jillian pointed out, especially when that guest is Jesus. Well, Jesus takes his focus off the crowd, he stops his lesson, and he fixes his eyes on Martha. Now, instead of doing what Martha expected and scolding Mary, telling her, hey, you get into that kitchen and help, Jesus gently, yet pointedly, truthfully declares in verses 41 and 42, Martha, Martha. Can't you just picture this? Him looking at her with sad eyes. Oh, Martha, Martha. You're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, your service is appreciated, Martha. We recognize that you are very busy doing all that you think is important for me. But what about time with me, Martha? What about drawing close and carefully listening to what my heart is saying? Mary has made the best choice. How can I rebuke her? She holds my heart. Well, as I read and reread this encounter, I began to see myself in Martha. There are times when I may be like Mary, but for the most part, 
It's Martha that I tend to identify with. And so as I was thinking about this and reading it and rereading it and rereading it, a series of questions came to my mind, questions that I began to ask myself. And let's consider these together. Do I critically look at others who do not give the time or energy in their service to God, people that don't seem to be that busy in the things of God? Do I pass judgment on others according to what I deem important? Why do I do the things that I do? Why am I so busy at times, even to the point of frustration? Do I work so hard because I'm trying to feel good about myself, to prove that I have some significance, some value, some worth? You know, this week, God really ministered to me, not only through the lessons, but just through watching the interactions of the teachers and the parents with their children. There was this one mother in particular, and I'll tell you her name, it was Michelle. And I watched her, I found myself, <laughs> I mean, this sounds kind of creepy, but I was staring at her in her interactions with her son. I was sitting way in the back during the assembly time, and I watched her holding her little boy. And she was hugging him and kissing him and tickling him. And he was responding. He was the happiest little kid in the world. <laughs> and I just was in awe of this. And I was in awe of that relationship of that mother to that child. And I was thinking, that kid is going to grow up being the most secure kid ever. <laughs> He's going to feel like he's loved, like he matters, he's significant. He could do anything. He'll probably be president one day because of the love that's being poured into him. And I went home and shared it with Sharon, and she said, you should tell Michelle that. I said, I don't want her to think, you know, hey, I was looking at you. <laughs> she said, no, tell her. So I did, and she started crying. Two other ladies were there. They started crying. I'm like, what did I do? And they're like, that's what so matters to us, that we would be a success as a parent and to know that we're having an impact on the life of our children. Thank you for noticing. Thank you for caring. And I got to share a little bit with them why it was so significant to me. And I've shared this with some of you before, and I you know, hesitate to even go into this, but I think it, it applies because a lot of it has to do with what motivates us today. You know, I grew up with a mom that was, had a lot of troubles of her own. In fact, when I was born, I had asthma really bad, and the doctors thought that I would probably die. And so they put this oxygen tent around my bassinet at home, and they said, look, there's no more that we could do. His life is in the hands of God now. And my sister told me later on in life, she said, I used to get so mad at mom because she would never pick you up and hold you. And when I asked her, I said, Mom, why don't you hold your baby? She said this to me. She said, he's going to die anyway. I don't want to get attached to him. And you think, what kind of an impact does that have? Even though you're a little infant and you don't know any better per se, but this feeling of, I'm, I'm defective. <laughs> you know, I have this problem. And then as time went on, my mom and dad had lots of fights and arguments. And when I was four years old, she left. 
And uh, I only have two childhood memories of her, and neither are very good. And uh, she was an alcoholic, and uh, she left. And eventually, my dad would remarry, and uh, this other woman came into our lives, and, and uh, she had her own kids, and we never got along very well. And she loved her kids, and, but she had a hard time loving us. I shared this with some of you before, that one day I remember running down the hallway, and she was in the room playing with her kids, and I went to go in, and she shut the door on me because I wasn't her real child. I couldn't go into her bedroom. And I just remember sitting outside that door in that hallway, listening to them jump on the bed, her tickling them, them laughing and playing, and just wishing that someone would love me. That feeling inside, that feeling of hurt, that feeling like something's wrong with you. Well, my stepmom would eventually leave when I was 15. And when she left, I always thought of her as my mom, since I never really knew my mom. And so I always thought of her as my mother. And she left that day. A, va a moving truck pulled up to our house while my dad was at work. And she took everything out of the house except uh, our beds and the kitchen table and chairs. <laughs> everything else was gone. And uh, I just remember looking around, and my friends came in. And this was kind of unusual because she would never let my friends into the house. But now they all came over. <laughs> And they're like, hey, 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 hey. It was like this echo. The house was so empty. It was such a weird feeling. Well, anyway, she left that day, and, and she would never call me. She would never send a card, never a note, nothing. For 35 years, I waited and waited and waited for this woman who I thought was my mom. You know, one day I did run into her. My nephew had died. And she was at my sister's house. And so uh, I, I, I saw her. And I go, Mom! <laughs> Could you imagine? You know? And she goes, Joey? <laughs> I go, yeah. I said, I want you to meet your 11 grandchildren. <laughs> so they came in and gave her a kiss and a hug. She, her mouth dropped open. She didn't know what to say or how to react. Well, from that point on, we did become friends and we're in contact, and now we have a good relationship, and we're in, in great communication, and got to share lots with her about the Lord, and it's just incredible what God is doing there. But the reason I share all this, and what I'm about to share, is because these things have an impact on your life. How did you grow up? What were your parents like to you? How do you respond and react to that? When I was 16, I joined this ministry. I, I, a friend invited me out to a youth group, and it was tremendous. And there were so many kids there, like 100 high school kids. And, and uh, I heard the gospel, and I remember going home after about the third meeting. I knelt down beside my bed and said, Jesus, I don't know why you would have died for me, but please come into my life. Please save me. And I remember the peace that just overwhelmed me. This sense of God is, is now in me. And I just cried and cried. The next morning, I got up early. I looked at the sunrise. I picked up my Bible that someone had given me, and I started reading, and every page was speaking to me. This was God's love letter to me. And I just remember being in such awe of God. But this ministry went on. Uh, I think it, it, it changed in, in some ways. You know, it started off very good. Uh, but, but they encouraged me to, to be a part of it and to become a staff member when I graduated high school. I wanted to go to college and, and get a degree. But they said, please don't because we need you here. 
We had started a little kids ministry, a junior high ministry, a high school ministry, a nursing home ministry, hospital visitation ministry. All these activities were going on. And they asked me if I could delay going to college. So I put it off and just poured my heart into this ministry. Now, we bought 10 and a half acres of property and we started to develop it for this now, which was developing into a church because a lot of these kids came to know the Lord and, and we were growing and it was incredible. Uh, we got, bought some buses, so we were actually busing kids in by the hundreds. They were coming every week to these different programs. We started a day camp and all kinds of things were going on. But you know, in the 14 years that I was involved there, I probably only took off four Saturdays. Every single Saturday was a work day. <laughs> and we poured ourselves into this ministry. And there was so much of an emphasis on the physical work. We have to build these buildings. We have to get this done. We have to clear the land. We have to put a field in. We have to put fences up. We have to put a pond in. We have to... And I tell you, all I did was work, 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 work. Besides that, I was running the youth programs there. And so being very busy and very involved. I mean, I remember when we built the gymnasium, I was in charge of mixing the concrete for the masons, but they were trying to save money so they didn't rent a cement mixer. They had me. <laughs> so we had this big trough, and I dumped two bags of of cement in and I'd mix it up with this big hoe thing and I'm mixing it up, mixing it up and all I remember, these two big German uh, two big German masons all day long, mud, mud I need mud, get mud up here and so after I'm mixing it up I'm putting it in tubs, I'm putting it in their troughs so they could cement put the walls up and oh it was a lot of work and one day our beloved pastor had the idea that hey, we're getting so much done, we're making so much progress, we're reaching the end, let's work all night too. So after working so hard all day, now we would work all night. And I remember one of my friends the next day said to me, you know, Joe, I just have no more energy. I'm going to take the day, and I feel kind of disconnected from God. I'm just going to take the day and pray and fast and just seek the Lord. He was made fun of by the rest. Oh, what's the matter? Working a little too hard for you? Oh, I think I'll pray today. That really bothered me. But I came to realize that the only way I would advance in my position there is if I worked and worked hard. And so I gave myself every day, all day, to doing the work that needed to be done. But I came to realize also that this wasn't God. <laughs> this isn't how he felt about me. But there was a tendency to associate it with God. Because if the leadership of that ministry only gave me praise when I worked really hard, then I came to think that that's how God was. The only time God appreciates me is if I'm working and working hard. That there's no time for rest. You got to keep moving. Well, it's not true, is it? <laughs> you know, and that's why I said I identify with Martha because she was busy, very busy, and she kept going, but she struggled. A couple other questions. 
Am I attempting to look good or gain acceptance and approval in the eyes of others? What is it that God really desires from me? Some years ago, a close friend of mine uh, knew it was my birthday coming up, and they decided they were going to make it really special. So they planned this whole thing they were going to do for me on my birthday. But it was very involved, and it involved this treasure hunt thing and this and that. And They put so much time and effort that the two weeks before my birthday, I didn't see them at all. <laughs> And you know, when my birthday finally came and they showed up and they gave me the gift, it was very nice. But you know what I remember thinking inside? I would have rather have had my friend around for those two weeks than to have this gift they gave me. Because their presence with me means more than the present they're giving me. How do you think God feels? But God, I'm doing this for you. God, I, I'm offering this to you. See, my service, God, it's for you. Well, great, that's nice, and thank you. I do appreciate it. But what about time with me? Time for me, thank you. But what about time with me? You know, think about it with your spouse, with your partner, the person you love the most in this world. What if all you're ever doing is just doing things for them, but never spending time with them? I'm sure they're appreciate the things you do, but there'll be this sense of emptiness inside because they really want you. Do I allow frustration, worry, anxiety to overtake me as I carry out what I deem to be my offering to God? What's most important? In Luke 10, 41 through 42, in the NIRV, we read this, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But a few things are needed. Really, only one thing that is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What if your life had to be reduced down to five activities? Your life is reduced down to only five things. What would those five things be? What if they were reduced down to three things? What if they all had to come down to just one thing? What would it be? That's what Jesus is saying. You know, uh, you're worried and upset about many things, few things are needed, really only one. What's the most important thing of all? Time spent at the feet of Jesus. There's so much more I could say, but our time is passing. You know, I've been sick recently, and you know about it, and how I ended up in the hospital, and, uh, you know, it just didn't fit into my plan. <laughs> Had so much to do, so much to accomplish, that getting into the hospital, it just, you know, and, and then five days, and the nights were so long, I couldn't sleep, I was so sick. But you know what? During those nights when, you know, the nurses rushed Sharon out, come on, you can't be here anymore, and she'd stay till the last moment with me, then it was that alone time. It was dark. It was quiet. And it was just God and me. <laughs> and, you know, during those times, I felt like God was right there with me. He was present. He spoke to me. He spoke in a way that I could hear. And I know God's always speaking to me, but I don't always take the time to listen. I'm too busy. 
But he wanted my attention, and if this is what it took, I'm not saying God made me sick, but he allowed this. And so once I got out of that hospital, and then I was supposed to go in for surgery, they were going to take a foot of my colon out and, and whatnot, and then, you know, it didn't work out so good either there because I kept getting diverticulitis again, so twice they had to postpone the surgery. And, you know, then after the surgery, everything went well, and I was so happy. Now I can get back to doing all that I want to do. And, you know, the doctor said, you're doing incredible. You can eat anything you want. So I went home and made cookies. And I mixed up the batter. And I don't know about you, but I love the batter more than the cookies. Amen. And I took a spoon of that batter. Lo and behold, I didn't know that gold metal had a recall on that bag of flour because of E. coli. And I got sick than probably any point I've been in my life. <laughs> For the next five days, <laughs> I was in the bathroom <laughs> and in my bed and in the bathroom and in my bed, holding my stomach. <laughs> and I thought again, here I was all ready to get out there and get back to work and start doing all the things I needed to do. But I just felt like God was saying, not yet, not yet. <laughs> There's still some lessons to learn. <laughs> Well, I don't want you to have to go through that. <laughs> so think about what's most important. Time spent at the feet of Jesus. Martin Luther once said, I have so many things to accomplish today that I'm going to have to spend an extra two hours in prayer. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite way we think, right? <laughs> if there's anything we let go, it's that quiet time with God because we're so busy. Let's sit at the feet of Jesus. God bless you.